Have you ever wondered what it's like to record and produce an audiobook? I sure have. Welcome to Audiobook Reviews in 5. This is Jana, also known as Yana. And in this extended-length episode, I interview Michael Bafuma to learn more about what it's like to record and produce an audiobook for the first time. Healthcare professional, musician, and actor Michael Bafuma sought new creative outlets during the COVID-19 shutdown. So he decided to try his hand at audiobook narration. Mike and I connected the day before recording this, and we started a fascinating conversation about his experience. So I reiterated a few key points we touched on previously during the recorded interview, too. If you'd like to hear more of Mike's work, check out his ACX profile via the link in my show notes or visit the Audible website. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on today. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great, great. I had a chance to introduce you um, a moment ago, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on today, where you are as an audiobook narrator and what your experience was like. Uh, sure. So audiobook narration is uh, relatively new for me. I mean, only within the past year. Um, actually, professionally, for the past over 20 years now, I've worked as a registered nurse. And about five years ago, I left the clinical side of nursing and I took a position in medical sales. Mm -hmm. So when I was working as a, as a nurse, a clinical nurse, I also worked as a nurse educator. Um, and now in, in sales and when I was an educator, performing is part of my job. I mean, it's just, it's something that I, I have to do. I have to get up there and present material every time, like it's the first time I'm presenting it. I have to, I have to have that. And I've, that's, that's always been one of the favorite um, parts of my job and, and why I, I, I like that aspect of, of my job. Um, so I've always been involved in community theater. I've, I, I'm a musician. I'm a drummer. I play in local cover bands for fun. I'm, I'm what you could call like a hobbyist performer. Wow. And uh, so audiobook narration, uh, it, it was within the, the past year. In, in May, I auditioned for the book that caught my eye um, via the ACX. Um, it stands for Audiobook Creation Exchange Platform. Uh, I'm registered on, on that ACX platform as a narrator. Um, this book by Patrick Maservier, Mad Wanderings of a Lost Mind, COVID-19 and Its Effects on Sanity, it, it caught my eye uh, because Patrick had written his book like in a week. He, he threw it together. It's an, like an 85-page book, and he threw it together in a week um, mm -hmm. back in March, like right when the, the uh, COVID pandemic hit, and he self-published it on Amazon. And he was looking for a narrator that could capture his tone and the the, the, the crazy feelings that were like racing through his head as he wrote this um, this this nonfiction journal of sorts of his thoughts um, amidst the pandemic. So I submitted my audition and, and he chose me. That is awesome. And I want to play 
listeners a sample from this audiobook because it's quite distinct. It's very zany. There's some really funny parts. And I think all of us can relate on some level to this guy's experience of COVID. 50 million deaths. Think about that for a moment. That's how many people died when the Spanish flu was flexing its flu muscles. When quarantine is required, like at this critical point during COVID-19, stay home. In 1918, no one had a car. It was much easier back then to stay home and imagine what television might be like in the future. In current times, every household has a minimum of 1.25 cars at each home in the U.S. That's more than one vehicle per person. If we are going to be quarantined, those cars are not being used, and you know how it is. A car must be on the road even if we have nowhere to go. What's it going to hurt to take a drive to get in the sights? We can practice social distancing from a box on wheels, right? Then you have to get gas and pick up some food. No one can drive without stuffing their faces with Doritos and sucking down their favorite soda. So now we are going nowhere practicing social distancing from inside a car and requiring food and drink to satisfy our bad habits of eating and driving. We're all on vacation at the moment, right? Why not? Let's go out and infect more people. So, Mike, tell me what it was like to to record that audiobook. It it was it was an adventure. It really was. Um I had so much fun with it. I Obviously, I had never met Patrick. Um, we had exchanged a few emails after he hired me for the project, um, but he and I hit it off on such a level. He he said multiple times in interactions that we had that uh, that I was the voice inside his head. That um, as he listened to, I don't know what they're really called in the audiobook world, the the, the dailies, you know, yeah. the, the, the fifteen the fifteen minute samples that I would send him. Um, he, he was like, you, you've, you've nailed it. You've hit it right on the head. I mean, from that first part of that, that sample that's available on Audible, that 50 million deaths, mm. that's how many people died. I mean, just that, that over the top insanity of, of, of what we're dealing with, with this. And, um, he, it just it it caught him and it related to him and he was like yeah you're you're the you're the guy that's rattling around in my head as I'm as I'm thinking of uh, as I'm writing all this down and and then we found each other so it was it was pretty cool that that happened yeah how fortuitous and just stepping back to what you said a moment ago comparing uh, sample recordings to dailies I didn't know that that happened with audiobooks. So can you tell me what that's like? Is that um, a, a process of recording a certain length of the book and then you send it back to the author for their approval? Is that typical with most audiobook recording processes? Or do you, do you find that with this one it was different because it was your first recording and so you were approaching it a little bit more strategically because you wanted to make sure that you were um, aligning to the, the right tone and the style of humor and and the, the the nature of the topic. I think all of that that you just said is true. Um, but ACX, the uh, Audiobook Creation Exchange, has a very strict policy mm-hmm. of what needs to be done in order to get through um, from concept to to publication. And one of those is submitting a fifteen minute sample 
of your narration after I mean you audition then the um the rights holder the person who owns the book um chooses you and then you have to record 15 minutes of the book for then the rights holder the author to have that right of first refusal to determine okay I like where you're going I like your style I like your as opposed to just the 90 second or two minute audition it's a full 15 minutes of all right this is where Mm -hmm. this voice actor is going with this and um, so that's but I think everything you said is true in that it's a great way for it being my first book that I was professionally narrating um, to make sure I was right and make sure the author liked where I was going and make sure that I had the direction that, that he, that that we were aligned in where we were taking this. Uh, But yeah, it's, it was the one sample. And then once he heard that, then when the book was completed, um, I would upload chapter by chapter and he could go in at any time on the website and check the chapters and send me an email back going, geez, you, you mispronounced this word wrong or I, I didn't like, you, you went in a different direction here. Can you re-record this? And Patrick was excellent. Um, I've, I've heard there have been stories of people asking for a lot of um, retakes, uh, but Patrick really... He, he I like I said we clicked and, and he really liked where I was taking it and it was it was very minimal um with uh with the redos and the and the rewrites and the retakes. That's great. And one of the things you mentioned was having a sample recording on the site so that you could set up your profile. And uh, when I spoke with you previously, so listeners won't know this, but there's a, a fun coincidence here because a while back I recorded Um, a bit of a tribute to why I love audiobooks. And one of the titles I mentioned was The Velveteen Rabbit, because that was one of my favorite childhood recordings. And so you were laughing when I I mentioned that to you earlier, um, because you had recorded this as your sample. So tell me a little bit about that and um, your experience choosing that title and and thinking through what you were going to use to represent your style. Um, so like I said, I've, I've always been a performer, um, from music, comedy, drama. I've always found ways, uh, to incorporate my desire to perform into what I do. And when the lockdown came in mid-March as a result of the pandemic, I lost that aspect of my life. I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't be in plays anymore. Um, Back in November, I was in a community theater production of A Few Good Men, and um, I, I just I hadn't been on stage in ten years. Uh, life gets in the way, uh, you know. You, kids, family, uh, shuttling back and forth to soccer practice, you know. Um, so I, I loved that, and I, I was like, "Wow, here I, I'm at an age now where I can get back into performing." And then everything just just shut down. Uh, so I needed to find a way. I needed an outlet. Um, to find a way. And as a musician and a recording enthusiast, I, I have all the equipment I need to record and produce my own audio tracks. So I took a free course online, um, learn about the nuances of producing a, a digital audio track, and I decided I wanted to try narrating an audiobook. So in order to do that, um, at first, I talked to a friend of mine that I'm in a band with, and he had a like a 400 page novel it was like a, a 10 hour read. And I said, I want to, I want to just fool around and, and 
read your book. It was uh, called The Professor. And this is on Audible, um, by the way, for, for anyone listening. The sample sounds amazing, so I think it's probably worth checking out. Uh, yes, it's called The Professor by Jerry Garish. Um, it's a work of fiction. Um, and it was, it was again, it was just, just going to be a labor of love. It was something I was going to do in my basement. Um, but then I really got into it. Yeah. I really started. It was, I, was, I was acting. I was acting in the comfort of my own basement in front of a microphone. And it was, um, it was a pleasure. So I got bitten by the bug and I wanted to do more. So I found this acx.com as a, as a means of getting my work out there, and I had to set up a profile. Mm-hmm. So in order to set up a profile, I, I needed to record something, and I was like, what am I going to record? Um, and I remembered that one of the things that I really loved to do when my children were little was I would read to them. Yeah. And they loved when I would read to them because I would do voices. I would, you know, do the little high-pitched bunny voice yeah. and the big, deep elephant voice. Characters. And I, yeah, I would just, I would have a lot of fun with it. And they would they would love it. They're like, you know, my wife would offer to read them a, a story. And they'd be like, well, can dad do it? Because he does all the voices. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so I, I, um, I decided, I, I said, well, I, I, uh, I looked up some different stories. And I said, oh, I always liked reading The Velveteen Rabbit. So that's when I found that The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie Williams. And, and I just, I, it, that was my first sample. And um, it's out there. It's on my, it's on my ACX uh, profile. Um, but then I started auditioning. And I put that one out there, built my profile, said that I was a new audiobook narrator with no experience narrating <laughs> audiobooks, just a love of theater and a, and a love of uh, sound production. And, um, and, and then I found Patrick's book, and I, I auditioned for Patrick's book, and I, I got the gig. And then I said, well, then let's put Jerry's book out there, too. So I, I asked Jerry if he would release the rights um, to... Audible, so that we could make an audiobook, and then it's it's just it's been an amazing six month ride. That is so cool. It just all came about organically. You wanted to try something different. COVID pushed you in a direction that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of, maybe. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of voice acting and voiceover work these days, of course. But you really were drawn to the idea of audiobooks. Um, and I think you might have compared that yesterday when I spoke with you to the marathon versus the sprint. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to get into the right headspace. So I'm thinking, I'm imagining you recording. Um, you're recording a little bit every day. You're going to your studio and your home and you're trying to think through getting into the the voice of this character. Um, I mean, it's a real person, but for all intents and purposes, for readers, for listeners, it's a character. So how would you do that? How would you approach that versus a much shorter recording or uh, voiceover work? That that analogy, that marathon versus a sprint is, is an excellent analogy because um, it's when I told people that I wanted to, um, I told people that I was doing like community theater with, that I wanted to go into voiceover work, um, and that I was specifically thinking about audiobooks. 
I, I was met with a lot of like resistance, like, well, why, why would you do that? I, I mean, like voiceover work, it's a quick hit. You go in and you record a 30 second spot for a local car dealership, or, you know, you, you go into your best radio voice, you know, WXYZ, you know, <laughs> Connecticut. And, um, it, it was, I was like, no, I said, no, the, the audio book for me was the closest to like a stage production where you're actually developing the characters and you're reading the whole novel, you're reading the whole script and, and you're, you're training yourself to, for the long haul, you're, you're becoming that character. I mean, I, I'll admit I was, I was kind of sad when both books were done. I mean, I was like, I, I couldn't be them anymore. I couldn't be those. I couldn't, I couldn't be inside Patrick's head anymore. You yeah. know, and I, I still, I'll just text him every now and then just, just to say hi. Cause I miss him, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in your head for a couple hours. How's that? <laughs> I know. And I know. And, and uh, so it's, it is, it's that same, that same kind of like, um, the same way you have to train, I could imagine for running a marathon is you, you have to commit to, to, to what you said earlier to your point about you have to go and go into that recording studio for two hours a night um, to put down a couple chapters and you have to keep it in the back of your head that this is what I was doing with this character and something may have happened in my life upstairs that morning that that may change and I may come down and I may want to read that character completely differently yeah. but I can't because I already committed to what that character was going to be when I recorded the chapters before. And it's, it's, it, it is, it's a much longer process and it actually has made me appreciate and love audiobooks more because I, I never really realized what went into them until, until you actually do it. Yeah, that's great. What are your, what are some of your favorite titles, Mike, in terms of ones you might recommend, ones you've enjoyed over the years? Any favorite narrators? I'd love to know. So that's a very good question because I recently got into audiobooks. Um, changing jobs from a, more of a, a clinical nurse to one that's um, out there in, in sales, I spend a lot of time in my car. Yeah. Um, so I was, I'm listening to podcasts and I'm also listening to audiobooks. And the first one that I downloaded and, and listen to was Ronda Rousey's autobiography um, called My Fight, Your Fight. And I'm sure everybody knows who Ronda Rousey is, but Ronda Rousey, um, UFC fighter, uh, first female um, bantamweight champion in the UFC, first female allowed to fight in the UFC. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant story. And what amazed me was she's uh, a She's a black belt in judo. She's a professional fighter in the UFC. Um, she's not. A, she's not an actor. Yeah. She is now. She is now because of all the success that she's had with uh, with with Ultimate Fighting and, and wrestling and and so on. But um, and she, does she narrate her own book? I haven't heard. She it. she did. She wow. she read it herself, and it was so amazing to hear. It was like she was sitting in the car with me. Yeah telling me her story in her own voice and that that hooked me um i heard that so then staying in that in that vein of very successful women who've had amazing careers the next one i picked up was amy poehler's autobiography yes please nice 
And now, now she's an actress. Yeah. I mean, she's she's an improv. Uh, she she founded the um, Upright Citizens Brigade uh, way back when. Uh, huge career on SNL um, movies. Uh, she's she's a performer, mm. and um, so that was just I, I can't. I'm not overusing the word when I say that it was brilliant. I mean, she her her inflection, her tone, her pacing. Um, was perfect. Uh, slowing down when she got to the more serious points in her life, um, like the birth of her child, and uh, you know, actually what she was going through when she was pregnant, working on, on SNL, to the the wild and zany stuff. I mean, she she just killed it. And um, so after reading, listening to those two, I was hooked. Um, my next favorite was Kill Alex Cross. Oh, what's that by one? James Patterson. Mm-hmm. James Patterson, the Alex Cross series. Um, you know Alex Cross from the movies. Um, I think Morgan Freeman played him in like uh, Along Came a Spider oh, and right. Kiss the Girls. Of course. And then um, uh, Tyler Perry played him when he's younger. Um, so, but the, the book that, that I read was narrated Andre Brower. Um, the actor, he's in Glory, and, and most recently Brooklyn Nine Nine. He read the the part of Alex Cross, and I just, I, I mean, to hear the professional actor take that, you know, and not not be reading a screenplay or a script, and actually be reading um, a novel mm-hmm. and and using the inflection to read the novel, and like I said with with Amy Poehler, the pacing and the and the when to go up a, a, a third in your voice and when to come down and when to, I mean, it was just, it was like a masterclass in, in um, narration. And one more thing I want to say about favorite audiobooks. Yeah, great. Another great use for audiobooks is Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. We have all read Shakespeare in high school or college, right? Mm-hmm. But Shakespeare was meant to be performed. So true. Shakespeare, right? I mean, Shakespeare was not meant to sit and and have a high school kid reading, you know, but soft, what light through yonder window. No, it was it, it was made for professional actors to take those words and, and work with them. And I recently downloaded Macbeth, um, which was read by the Scottish actor Alan Cumming. Oh, he's I brilliant. I love oh, Alan Cumming. And to hear him... With with his, he has the most. I mean, listening to his brogue is it's like a symphony. I mean, his voice, it's like I I I just I can't even hold a candle to the way that that, that man's voice and to hear him um, read all the different characters in Macbeth. Even when he reads Lady Macbeth, it's not silly. Wow. You know, it's not like, oh, here's a guy doing a woman's voice and no, I mean it it was he he did I I could it's it's a book that I could listen to again and again. I think I'm going to have to listen to that one because it sounds intriguing and I I I really enjoyed Alan's autobiography. If you have a chance okay. to check that one out, he also reads it. Um he had quite a difficult life, so it made me appreciate his work all the more because in spite of all of that, he's known for this sharp wit and he's got this distinct style that just makes him a pleasure to watch or to listen to. Um, so thanks for thanks for mentioning that. That's awesome. And the, the most recent ones that I've listened to, um, 
I, it's it's gotten a little drier. My my daughter really got me into Hamilton mm-hmm. recently. I mean, with Disney, with Disney Plus putting Hamilton out uh, for July fourth, so I've been listening to the Federalist Papers, the U.S. Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Wow. All just re- some of the most the, the the driest material that you could possibly imagine. But again, it all comes down to the performer. Mm-hmm. If the performer is able, if I'm if I'm listening to the Federalist Papers and I can actually feel that it's it's Hamilton or or Jay reading it to me mm-hmm. and I really feel that it's they're reading it with the same passion that they wrote it, you know, that they used to write it. If it's just someone sitting there just reading, we the people of the United <laughs> States in order to form, no, you're going to lose me. Yeah. But if if you're if you're using that that performance aspect of it and and using and and finding a narrator that that is able to perform and not just read the words on the page, um, it it makes it 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 completely changes the experience. I mean, reading a book for pleasure is one thing, but hearing someone else perform it and and unlocking something as a listener in yourself that that's it just it makes you almost want to get the actual book and read it yourself and and see what your mind does to the words you know after hearing someone else read it aloud i have had that experience so many times and i find it funny when folks say oh audiobooks you know it's not really reading it's not the same And I want to say people have been listening to storytelling for thousands of years. We're actually way more accustomed to listening to oral narration. And um, it's an art, right? When you think of uh, classics like the Iliad or the Odyssey, those were intended to be listened to and performed. And and to your point about Shakespeare, again, it's really a much more modern invention, the novel and written poetry that's only been in the last few hundred years, so relatively modern, where people were expected to sit down and read. And I think uh, audiobook technology and recording is kind of bringing us back full circle to a really primal human experience of listening to stories and hearing a voice interpret emotions and interpret experience. And that's what makes audiobooks so magical to me and, and something that I I feel I it adds a lot to my life, especially during COVID and we don't always have access to all the people in person that we, we'd love to see or hear. Um, is there a certain element that you draw on when you think about how much you enjoy acting and how much you've enjoyed um, performance elements in your work life even, that you draw on in your audiobook recording and narration experience? Um, I, I'm not sure what you mean. Sure. I'll uh, elaborate a little bit. So when you think about how you would approach acting, you know, reciting lines on a stage, comparing it to reading an audiobook, you are the only character, right? You're the, you're the only, sorry, I should say you're the only reader. So unlike a play where you're, you're kind of counting on reacting to other actors on the stage as a rule and you're playing off of their energy and you're using their style to form your own style and create an experience for the audience an audiobook typically is just one narrator so you don't you're not at, you're not reacting to someone else's energy on stage you're not interpreting 
um, somebody else's body language in the room, you're really creating an experience for the listener with all of your talent and your passion and your abilities. So when you think about that, and this draws a little bit on your experience of returning to the previous day's work and having to reset, go into that recording session with the same tone and style. When you think about that, is that all of that experience and all of that approach to audiobook narration, do you feel like that's become a niche that you want to pursue even more? So let's say, um, you know, COVID ends, uh, eventually you can go back to stage acting. Do you feel like there's a distinct experience of recording audiobooks that you want to build on and continue to develop as, as a voice actor? Thank you for that explanation because I, I I have a tendency to be a little slow. No, no, sometimes. not at all. I think <laughs> I was being vague, actually. Um, so, but no, that I I get exactly what you're saying, and and my answer is this: for me, nothing will ever replace the stage, and you hit the nail on the head perfectly with you you. You feed off of energy. You feed off of the energy of the audience. You feed off the energy of the other actors on the stage. Um, it's not just the words on the page. As you get into like film and TV, it becomes more. You're there are going to be times when you're just delivering a scene face to face with the camera and not that other actor, mm -hmm. and you have to have that same energy as when you're delivering it, and then to to an actor, you're you're delivering it to an inanimate object, you're delivering it to a camera, but you have to emote the same way you would. Um, audiobooks takes it even one step further, and now you're potentially sitting in your pajamas in a basement in front of a microphone and trying to become this character. Yeah. So so if you look at it as like a spectrum, for me, no, it'll never replace the stage. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. It's amazing. Um, I, I have fallen in love not so much, not as much with the uh, performance aspect of it which i love but the production aspect of it mm -hmm. i think making a uh, a professional sounding recording as a producer is as important to the final product as the performance of itself absolutely um if you hear my kids playing xbox in the background and you hear my chair squeaking and you hear all these things while i'm trying to perform a, a uh, an audiobook for you I'm going to lose you as a listener. Mm -hmm. So production is as important as the performance, but I don't think it could ever, 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 ever replace um, the energy. And I think that's why so many actors who do like film and TV um, have to get back to the stage. Yeah. Because because the stage, nothing can replace that that electricity of of uh, of playing off another person and um, and reacting, like you said. I I love that. Um, uh, that that method acting of of reacting, you know, you're not acting, you're reacting, yeah. and uh, so it it is a wonderful way uh, to express myself. It is a wonderful way to keep my chops of character development up, but um, I don't I don't ever see it replacing yeah, the stage. It's not a full time <laughs> gig, but something that you're exploring and. To that point, you know, fair enough. I think acting is an incredibly rich experience. Um, and if, if you can't be on stage right now because of COVID, why not explore some other options? But at the same time, 
um, I'm curious to know, would you be interested in producing and performing in, let's say, like a radio play where you have other actors that, you know, you're, you are reacting a little bit to them, or even producing a recording of Shakespeare or another play designed to deliver an audio experience similar to what people might experience in a stage play? Is there room for that? Do you see any opportunities out there for for voice actors to, to produce that type of work? Oh, absolutely. I, I know, I know the work is out there. Um, I, I just haven't found it yet personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that I would absolutely, um, if given the opportunity would jump at. Uh, I remember when I was very, very young, probably in the early eighties, I remember when, um, the BBC, and, and again, this was before we could look it up on the internet. This was, you had to go to the library yes. and get the record or the cassette, um, the BBC did the Star Wars radio play. Wow. And they they did so they took the 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 screenplay and adapted it to a radio play and they added um different pieces and, and made it more like a novelization of the screenplay and performed it um in, in a studio. And I remember getting my hands on that and listening to that on on my old, you know. 33 uh, LP record player in in my parents' house. And uh, yes, that would that would be incredible to be able to get involved in something like that. Uh, again, the flexibility isn't there that you have with audiobooks. Audiobooks, you're on your schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go into your home studio and record whenever you want. Um, with the radio play, I think it's a little bit more difficult to do it asynchronous mm-hmm. because then otherwise it just turns into a scripted read. Yeah. Um, and to you really need to be able to all either be together um, in the same studio to get that energy to to act off each other and perform off each other. Uh, but yes, I would in a heartbeat do that if that were offered. Cool. I'll have to keep an eye out. And in the meantime, are there any genres that you would love to explore from an audiobook recording perspective? Um, you know, are you interested in trying more nonfiction, any specific type of fiction? What sparks your interest? Okay, this this may sound like a trite answer. This might sound like I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. like trying to take the easy way out, but really anything. Yeah. Um, I, I find that I'm not only voice acting if I'm narrating fiction. Mm-hmm. Nonfiction, and I, I mentioned this already with Patrick's work, um, I'm acting when I'm reading nonfiction too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, with, with Patrick's Mad Wanderings, I had to become him. I had to get inside his head. And, and there's there's a good scene in the book, and again, no no spoilers, um, but there's a good scene in the book where he has a, a heart-to-heart with his wife. And um, I never had that discussion with my wife about uh, what's going on with COVID. It didn't, it didn't get to that level for me okay. um, that it got to for Patrick uh, with, with concern about um, work and safety and health. And uh, so I had to find that. I had to find that from somewhere else. And I, it, it became a character. And, it, you know, so... I think the challenge, I, I mean, if, if someone asked me to read the phone book, you know, it, it would be it would be yeah. a challenge to try to find a way to make it interesting and make it engaging. So um, I, I just, I think even if you're reading an instruction manual, yeah. 
you're you're reading it so that it is the the person listening is engaged and and giving it the same attention they want to know they they chose that book for a reason good point they 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 downloaded that book and want that book and they they need to get something out of mm-hmm. that and i feel if i no matter what genre it is from horror romance uh, fiction to an instruction manual yeah um i i have to it's it's still a uh, a work it's it's still a work of fiction to me because it's not my reality right um, I have to make it my reality and that's where the performance comes in that's great it sounds like you're super open to trying just about anything and having fun with it um, I think that's a great attitude whenever you're learning something new is is getting a handle on different styles different content and I I think the point you make about trusting the listener, they picked that title because they want to be engaged with it. Maybe it wasn't necessarily a personal choice. Maybe they have to listen to it for work or for school, but knowing that they have to listen to it or that they want to listen to it, you want to make it as engaging and interesting as possible. And and that seems like the right approach to have as opposed to um, kind of taking a, a formal style and just trying to adapt it. And I think they're um, I, I find your curiosity about this and willingness to try new genres is is really uh, inspiring because on some level, you're obviously going outside your comfort zone. These are not all books or genres that you're necessarily familiar with, but you're willing to dive in and try it out for fun. Um, and I'd like to know, when you think about books that you've read over the years, are there any that you think you would love to narrate that, you know, you've got a favorite book that, you know, oh, that would be such a great uh, character to to present, or I know that I could do this one justice. Are there any titles that come to mind for you? Anything by Stephen King. Oh, classic. Um, anything by Stephen King. I would love, of course, I would love the opportunity to narrate... Um, I, I know the original publication was called The Body, but Stand By Me, for example. But the problem is now every time I hear the narration in Stand By Me, it's Richard Dreyfus, right. And it will always be Richard Dreyfus, And <laughs> that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only voice I hear. Uh, but uh, yeah, anything by Stephen King. Um, really, I just, there are so many books that I've read. Um, uh, oh, uh Dickens would be another, uh, like, um, Tale of Two Cities mm-hmm. would be it would be a great one. Um, you, you know, like uh, just one thing that comes to mind just off the top of my head is is looking at like um, traditionally when they adapt Tale of Two Cities to the screen, a lot of times the actor playing um, Darnay and Carlton. Sidney Carlton and Charles Darnay, I think they're always the same um, actor mm-hmm. uh, because they're they look so much alike, and and one winds up going to uh, the uh, the guillotine for the other. Um, how I would do that? How I would have two distinct characters, but 
their voice would have to be the same. You know, how would you change the inflection to let the reader know when it's Sydney talking as opposed to Charles, um, even though they're supposed to be so similar yeah. in their physical appearance? Uh, so that's that's one that's always intrigued me too. Um, so I, I don't know if there's an audiobook version of Tale of Two Cities out there. I'm sure there's multiple ones out yeah. there, but um, I haven't come across one yet. Um, that I've that I've listened to. It's great to have ins- inspiration, though, right? When you have ideas of stories that you know are going to challenge you from a style and performance perspective, it's exciting because you can you can think about it from a more strategic strategic point of view and think about you know what is the listener going to hear when I present these two characters who are so similar, for example, with the Dickens example, and. One of the things I've always wondered about, if if um, if I might ask, you know, audiobook narration as a listener, it's seamless, it's enjoyable, you relax, you listen to the to the the narrator, but it's actually a lot of work. To your point, you know, the marathon idea, you're you're doing a lot of repetition and re-recording. But what are some other surprising elements of? recording audiobooks that listeners might not know about or uh, another question related to that is if a listener is interested in recording an audiobook where should they start how do they how do they go about practicing Um, are there vocal exercises people should do I realize I'm bombarding you with a few different questions here so feel free to answer them as you will well I I think I think as a as a self-published narrator um, and focusing on a lot of self-published um, works uh, that are out there on on Amazon and audible, for example, um, production is a big thing. if you if you want to be the narrator, um, the the narration part, the the vocal acting part is such a small part of it. It is probably, a tenth of it. Um, the other 90% is sitting in front of your computer and editing out the chair squeaks and the mm. clicks and the pops and the ums and the uh, swallows yes. and, and, the, and the pauses and the taking a sip of water because you've been talking for two hours straight, um, which I love. The production part is, is a huge part of it. It was the part I had to work on the most. Mm-hmm. Um, the the voice acting part i think came very natural to me i didn't to to your question about vocal exercises and and training and and uh i i know from my experience in um on stage doing all the different warm-ups like the 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 hissing and the clicking and the going up the scale and down the scale and all the (laughs) um I wouldn't say I did so much of that. The one thing I did know is you you should record at the same time of day. Mm-hmm. I did find that out and and listeners might not know that because I would this would be my voice at eleven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. But then if I knew my kids were going to be home and I had a busy day and I had to like get up at like four or five and come downstairs and record, then my voice would be like down here. Uh. And it was, it, it, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't, I couldn't get it back up to, to my normal Energy. level of intensity. Yeah. Right. And um, so it was, uh, that was tough, was, was committing to a schedule and, and finding exactly when um, I'm going to, to record. But 
focusing on the production aspect, I think, is the biggest. If, if this is something that you're really serious about doing and, and you, you like to perform and you want to give audiobook narration a try, um, understanding that it is not a lucrative hobby if you have to pay a producer to produce your, uh, your book that you're going to be making a royalty share on, mm-hmm. on, on, on Audible. Um, because then you're, you're winding up spending a lot of money for a professional to produce something when it's, if you produce it yourself, it's, it's, it's much more lucrative for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, are you able to, are you willing to, to, take that step and and make your and commit yourself to learning enough production to put out a professional product. Great point. Yeah, there's probably some folks that don't have the patience or the technical patience specifically um, to to learn all of that and and maybe they're willing to pay for a producer. But if you can enjoy that part of the process and it sounds like you do, you're going to get a lot out of it and you're going to enjoy the learning aspect of it too. And then knowing that you not only recorded, but you produced that work, that's something to be proud of, surely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm realizing that uh, we're, we're at time. Is there any, any points um are there any thoughts or ideas that you would like to to share about your experience or uh, recommend to anybody who loves audiobooks, anyone who wants to record audiobooks? Um, just to recap what I what I just said was if you are committed to making a professional sounding product that is going to engage your reader, hold their attention, it's going to greatly increase your chances of getting mm-hmm. noticed. Um, and a little luck doesn't help. Uh, doesn't doesn't hurt. hurt. I'm sorry. A, li- a little luck doesn't hurt um, either. It's you could have the most. Uh, you could have the, the the classic radio voice, which I do mm-hmm. not. Um, you could. I, I'm I'm telling you. I honestly think this happened, and and Patrick took the chance on me because I I was just I I fit what he needed for that. I mean, if, if he had Tom Hanks or Andre Brower or, um, or Alan Cumming read his book, I don't think it would have had the same intensity as my panic-stricken, all-over-the-place, sometimes screechy... <laughs> 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 You know, I think I think it was just the right voice at the right time, um, and that's it is. It's 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 a lot of luck, um, but just putting out something that you're proud of and putting out something that that you feel is professional that that you could come back to in a month and listen to again and say, "Wow, I, I did. I really gave that my all and did did a good job with that." I mean, my kids make fun of me because I will. I will listen to the books, the finished books now that they're out on Audible and, and critique myself <laughs> and, and say, ooh, I wish I could have recorded that one again. I didn't like how that came out. Or, um, But yeah, it's it's so much fun. And it's uh, it's such a such a good way to to keep uh, your your skills up as a performer, if that's something that you're interested in doing, even if it's a hobby. That's great. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing all of this because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are 
curious about audiobooks and how they're recorded, but they don't necessarily have that hands-on experience. And this has just been fascinating. Thanks so much for sharing your experience and your all of your insights, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I hope you enjoy the book. I am. It's great. Lots of laughs, that's for sure. Who knew cheese curls would be so life-sustaining? I, I'm telling you, it's a staple. <laughs> it's a staple on the spaceship. <laughs> That's all for this extended interview episode of Audiobook Reviews in 5. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you'd like to hear more of Mike's work, check out his ACX profile via the link in my show notes or visit the Audible website. Next week, you can expect to hear another audiobook review of Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson and read by Robin Miles. And a friendly reminder, if you've not yet done so, please consider subscribing to Audiobook Reviews in 5 on your favorite platform. By subscribing, you help increase the profile of this podcast and the chances of other listeners like you finding it. I look forward to checking in with you all again soon. Please stay safe and be well.